Hey, Haley. Yeah, Alyssa? Are you ready to change the narrative around women's sports? Let's do it. You are listening to Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski, and this is the Iron Women Podcast, a production from Live Feisty Media. Haley and Alyssa are longtime professional triathletes and coaches. Between them, they have completed more than 50 iron distance races and just as many 70.3s. Their accomplished careers include nine professional wins and one fastest known time. Haley, do I have to tell the listeners how many of those wins are mine? Nah, we'll keep that between us. The Iron Women podcast has a Patreon community which helps support our podcast. If you love the podcast, check us out at patreon.com forward slash livefeisty. And don't forget to tell a friend. Now, let's get to the show. Haley, I wanted to start out this week by letting you know that I have been thinking about you all week as I did hear the news that one of the beloved members of your Dynamo family, um, Maria Thrash, the swim coach, had passed away last week. And I personally met Maria only a couple times. And Haley, the listeners might actually be able to hear me still kind of laughing in my voice because right before we got on this recording, we started telling some Maria memories. Mine includes just this like one vision of her. We were in the gaps riding. I had come to the gaps camp with Dynamo and I just, I have to dig up the picture and send it to you because there's just this picture I have of Maria in like a full kit helmet on, like clearly just popped off her bike and she's just holding one of her dogs and the dog's like stretched out like a human in front of her. And it just makes me, whenever I come across this photo and I'm looking for like throwback Thursday photos and stuff like that, it just makes me burst out laughing. And that is like one of just my favorite memories of Maria. And I'm, I know you have a lot more in store for us too. Alyssa, I'm so happy you got to meet Maria and she was a very, very special member of the Dynamo family, special person to me. And she did love dogs. She had several rescue dogs, which I think the two of you would uh, have in common your love for the rescue dogs. I mean, I guess I have a love, I have that in common too, but um but I'm glad you got to meet her. I do remember when you came and visited and you got to, you did a swim workout, a master swim workout with us, right? Because that's what Maria was, the master swim coach at the Dynamo Swim Club. I do. And I remember that was, it was, it's, you know, I could tell that swimming for Maria, first of all, I love, I love getting to observe other coaches and like, it's very special when you happen to stumble across a coach that you know is like so good at what they do. And when you are a professional athlete and you travel a lot, right? You like end up kind of interacting with a lot of different coaches and you just kind of get a feel for ones that are like a cut above the rest. And Maria is one of those. And I love, I love getting to observe good coaches, but I also love no nonsense coaches. And so Maria is like one of those coaches as well. Right. And so, I mean, I knew that I had to be like on my A game, going on deck, like ready to swim, like ready. And for me, I mean, this was probably what, 2014. And so I like barely knew what I was doing at that point, you know? And so like, I was just like, Hillary sent me to Dynamo swim practice. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to swim for Maria. I show up and I'm like, I just, I, I didn't even really, I had never swum masters before. So I didn't know what I was doing. And Maria simultaneously, well, made me feel very welcome and like made me feel like I was in the right place. 
but also scared the daylights out of me. And all I remember is just hopping into whatever lane she pointed to. And I, the whole practice was like swim, like touch and go for me. And I don't have any memories of what set I swam or anything. Cause I was working so hard, just trying to like, you know, she's the type of coach you want to work as hard as you can to impress, you know, because it's just that no nonsense is something that I love. And I remember her, she, she like, a, you know, gave not like a shining, compliment or anything of my swimming like we I definitely wasn't getting any of those at that point or anything but sh- I remember her being like giving me feedback that meant she approved of what I did at practice right which for me was like such a win and so you know again those that was like another very brief encounter that I had with her and so I do think that you know I've I've been enjoying kind of as the Dynamo community has been sharing memories of her because someone like that and just getting to be coached by someone like that. I know it's just like such a special time in your life. It was. And, and I did walk onto the Dino Swim Club swim deck, I think in 2007. And at that time I was just not really like into, I had just graduated from the University of Georgia. I kind of didn't really plan to swim much anymore. And, um, my college roommate's brother convinced me to come try Dino Masters and I think it, I was hooked from day one. I mean the in energy and the enthusiasm that she brought to that deck and it was so fun because even that first that first couple especially a couple months um, she let me like just come and like chat most of the workout and then I would swim like a couple really fast 50s at the end because I still had like some speed from swimming in college. It didn't go away but she let me like she was just like okay this is where you are and then when I decided she decided to swim the 2008 Olympic trials. She was like, okay, we got to step this out. Your words to yards ratio needs to be a little bit more on the yards than the words. And so, um, but she did, she helped me train while I was working, um, in accounting. She helped me train for the 2008 Olympic swimming trials and the 200 backstroke and, and kind of put me over in lane eight. And I just did a lot of backstroke while other people were doing freestyle. And, you know, I, I did all right at that race. And, um, she introduced me to some of the most important people in my life. Matthew Rose, my coach, uh, that came through Maria, Betty Janelle, who's one of my biggest supporters and friends and training partners. Uh, I met her through Maria. So it's, she was definitely a, a really, really impactful coach to me. Um, and, and also a training partner and also a friend. Cause like you mentioned, she did, she was not a triathlete before. And I think she started doing triathlon like in her fifties and because, you know, all of us at the pool were doing triathlon. And I think she decided that she wanted to go out and ride bikes and, and, um, she struggled a lot with injuries with running, but she did want to do an Ironman. And I, her first Ironman was Ironman Florida in 2013. And I was there and I raced as well. And I looked up our results because I was just kind of curious. And and she only biked 10 minutes slower than me. <laughs> I was a pro. I had just come off Kona and everything. And yeah, so she could she could ride a bike. And she did finish that. I mean, she her run split was was a little bit slower, but that was just again, la, uh, she had struggled with injuries on the run, as as many people do, but still had a really fantastic race. And and I do remember passing her because that's a multi-loop course, and I remember passing her on the run and I was kind of feeling sorry for myself to be honest and um and she was just so grateful to everyone who like passed and said a nice word and she was obviously struggling because the run was was a struggle for her and so and she took this time to be like oh thank you so much for the cheers and it did help me in that moment even like kind of change my perspective to 
be a little bit more grateful, even though I felt like I was, you know, not not in the happiest place <laughs> as the end of an Ironman often feels. But um, really special person, definitely missed unexpected passing last week, big loss for the Dynamo community and, and, oh gosh, but thank you, Alyssa. Thanks. I'm glad we got to share some, some memories and I am really, really enjoying talking to some friends about all the different Maria stories. She had so many mechanicals, Alyssa, like when she was riding, I don't know if that happened when she rode with us, but she had the nicest bikes always like she, and it was like the kind of like she would forget to charge her DI too, which is actually one of the reasons like I've never gone to electronic shifting. Cause I went on so many rides with Maria where she would be stuck in a single, like really hard gear. And like you mentioned, we rode a lot in like North Georgia mountains in the gaps and those are big hills to go up in the, in your hardest gear. And she would do it. I mean, I guess that's how she's doing like five, 10 bike splits. And she's like 50 something years old, but definitely, um, a character, an incredible coach, no nonsense, like you mentioned. And someone I will miss dearly. I already miss dearly, but I'm also like so, so grateful that she was in my life. Cause I can't imagine things could be really different for me if, if I hadn't, if I hadn't actually walked on deck and, you know, changed up my words to yards ratio. I feel like I need to use that more with when I'm, that might be like a Mariaism I take into coaching at camps when I have chatty people telling them that they need to change the words to yards ratio. I feel like that's pretty perfect and the very succinct way to put what needs to get done. Yeah, it, it gets the point across for sure. And <laughs> or it gets you to like go faster so you can fit in more words. You have like a little bit longer rest. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, no, great, great, great human who is part of our sport. And I guess that's one of the things we love about this sport, right? Is that we get to meet people like Maria and, and it is, you know, they are, there are some special people out there and you get to train with them. And it's a cool thing about having a coach and having training partners as an adult, which is something I didn't think I would have. I thought that kind of ended after college. And so to have had that later in life and then even known people like Maria who you know in their 50s and 60s had a team around them and I think that's pretty cool as well well Haley last week I also told our listeners that I would give a Zwift update because I was going to be starting to do some Zwift racing and just wanted to give the little update here that I did two Zwift races last week my first race Haley was a 14 mile 14 and a half mile race up Vento in France and that's a very hard climb where you, you climb about, you climb like 4,000 feet, allegedly. I mean, you're staying in your garage or wherever you're going. How long did it take you? It took me an hour and 24 minutes. It took Meredith Kessler an hour and four minutes. So she beat me by 20 minutes up the climb. <laughs> and so there's nothing like telling you you have work to do than when you're getting beat by your peers by 20 minutes on a climb like that. And Haley, I was like so ready for the start. And I went out so hard at the start. And then I see my little avatar like zooming off the front. And I was like, no, 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 get back, get back. Like too hard, too hard. So I have a lot of like skills on Zwift to learn. It was really fun. I mean, I suffered almost solo on that climb because I am out of my league in the um, racing league I am doing. Um, but it was, you know, I did find some other people to ride with. My second race of the week was a little bit more successful. It was like a pretty flat course. And, um, again, I got dropped pretty much instantly at the start and then, but I did find it was all men and then one other woman in that race. And I, it's crazy how it happens. You like manage to find each other, like someone else to ride with. And then 
I still don't know if she had the memo or if I was just making up this memo, but I believe we were trading like 30 second pulls to get each other through. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but I guess this could be a thing. Like, I think that's what was happening. And that's at least what I was doing. Can you doing. feel it? Can you feel Is it like easier when you're behind? It is slightly easier. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's very, very like slight, but it is like as if you were drafting and you like take a little break, but your avatar is like still moving with that person. I mean, you can't take, you know, it's like riding hard outside where like you want the break to feel bigger than it does, you know, always. But like when it's a big group drafting, you definitely feel the difference when it's one on one. It's definitely more slight. Um, but it was fun. And she then out sprinted me at the end. I was like, I wonder if like how what the et- etiquette is. <laughs> Like, are we going to like hang together and finish or like whatever? And then like, whoop, as I'm thinking, she's just off. I was like, I guess we sprint to the end. too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's fun. It's it's a, going to be a long work in progress, but it is. I think it will be like something to keep me a little bit motivated as I try and get my bike legs under me again. So, um, yeah. So that was my I was going to say, if you and Meredith were running up a 4,000 foot climb, my money would be on I you. I do think I could <laughs> probably beat Meredith. I think, yeah, actually, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll challenge Meredith to that. I wonder if they have, because they have the Zwift running now. So um, maybe I'll... You're like putting the treadmill on like 20% <laughs> incline. <laughs> but um, that's cool. That's good for you for getting out there. And I do feel like there is like a strategy to some of those Zwift races that you probably learn over time, like most things. So um, you got to start somewhere though, but congratulations on your new beginning. Thanks. And everyone's been super nice. So thank you to everyone who's been nice to me and ask and like helping with my questions too. Um, Haley, we do have a mailbag question that came in this week. Um, it came in from Mel. And Mel wants to know, so since COVID, she's been dealing with swollen legs, like similar to like when you, your legs swell up when you are on a long flight or something. So her legs are just feeling really heavy all the time when she's going out on a run. She is working from home now with COVID. And so she's trying to get up and walk around a little bit, but it's just that it's not the same. It's like when she used to take 15 to 20,000 steps a day when she was like going into work. Right. So she's just looking for tips to deal with the swelling, um, from our experience with travel or in our daily lives. What do we think? My first thought is maybe, maybe schedule like a commuter walk. Um, you know, I don't know if she, if she has a dog or if she has just a place that she can walk safely, um, in the morning, you know, that time when you might normally be commuting or at lunch or in the evening, like actually put it in your calendar, like put it, if you use training peaks, like put it in training peaks and get yourself to go for a walk. Because I think that that's one of the problems we see is like when people are working at home, um, when, even when they have to go to the bathroom or go get coffee, they just don't walk as far and there's just not as much movement and there's no one coming by to like chat at your desk or ask you to come look at something. And I think you do end up sitting more. And I think that's probably causing a lot of the swelling. The other thing I would ask about would be hydration. And are you drinking as much, like, especially like non, non coffee fluids. So like, do you have some noon hydration? Do you have some water? Um, because I think when you're at home, like, again, I've, I've been guilty of this where I don't want to have to get up to go to the bathroom. So I don't drink as much water or you just like want to try to finish something. And so you're like working, working, working. And then you don't realize it's been like four hours since you last got up. And so making a, a, like, I don't know if, 
a hydration schedule might be a little overkill, but just making a little bit more of an effort to like have that noon sitting there, have a, a bigger water bottle sitting there. Um, so you don't even have to get up as much, but then hopefully you drink it. You'll have to go to the bathroom. And so that gets you walking as little bit as well. Yeah. I like all of that. And I think like having Ramona around definitely, if I didn't have Ramona, I think I would be taking very minimal steps on a lot of days. Um, and she definitely helps like even just on my rest days and stuff that I get out and like shake out by walking around the block and take, you know, instead of just getting up and walking the 20 feet to the bathroom, I'm getting outside, walking around the block and then coming back, going to the bathroom and then sitting down to work again or something like that. So, um, you know, if you have any interest in ad- adopting a dog, I'm sure your local shelter might be <laughs> interested in having you foster or adopt. Um, but it, I mean, that is like a, it sounds, I laugh when I say it, but it is a real strategy, I think. And then, um, also I know I will wear compression socks a lot when I travel. And so, um, that might be something you could try. Like if you know, it's just going to be a long day of sitting with meetings or whatever, like you're not going to get up and walk, you could try compression socks and see if that does help. And then, Though still, I think like when I travel and I wear compression socks and then I take them off after the flight, I'm still like making an effort to really walk around and keep things flowing. And like Haley said, I think staying hydrated is a big part of that. But um, yeah, I bet you're not alone in this um, this issue with the pandemic going on. But I think that little movements add up to a big thing. And I know my watch does track hydration, Haley, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've never used that feature before, but some things do. Or like the Garmin Connect app, I think you can track. So even if you just tracked how much hydration you were taking in for a couple days, it would give you a good idea of if you are like way lower than you thought or something like something. It's just eye-opening to track something like that and really take a look at it. Um, And if you are under then yes use the live the iron women code which is live feisty capital l capital f on noonlife.com for 30 percent off and then that noon hydration will help ensure that you are staying super hydrated yes and one other idea i just had was like something i've tried to do on the plane that's actually like quite difficult but like doing a little bit of like strength exercise like very light strength exercise like if you have a band like doing some band walks you can picture me doing band walks down the aisle of a did you really do this one long haul flight i i think i tried (laughs) (laughs) like in the middle of the night on the flight to like china i was like trying to do some things just like get the blood flowing but so if you're doing it like in your living room um it's probably more comfortable than doing it on a airplane but um surrounded by sleeping people but uh I mean I think that like five minutes of of kind of like some very light strength work can actually feel really good and kind of just like shake things up a little bit so um maybe try that as well and the noon noon hydration I I Alyssa I just got a package from noon and um we had a little bit of snow flurries last night I swear when I was walking cowboy last night I know it was a it was a shortened walk because I wasn't I was wearing it was like right after my run and I don't know if that ever happens where you like come in from a run and these and cowboys like okay now time to take me out and so the problem is you get pretty warm running so I'm wearing shorts and everything and then I go walk and you get a little cold but it was like snow flurrying so I came back and I was cold so I made some hot noon which is like my favorite thing I know that I've heard mixed reactions people think it doesn't taste good but it's like delicious just add hot water to noon it dissolves really quick I chose the citrus fruit noon sport and it was so good and helped warm me up after my chilly walk. 
I, I love hot noon. I, I actually drink hot noon year round because I get cold in pools a lot. And so, but I like swimming in cold pools because I think it makes me swim faster. So I'll like purposefully pick the cold pool, but sometimes I take warm noon in my bottle to the cold pool, even in the middle of the summer, if I'm swimming inside, because then it's like as cold as I get until I warm up, I can be drinking the warm noon, which I really enjoy for sure. And that actually just made me think, Mel, if you haven't been able to swim as much um, during COVID, I think swimming too, especially like really helps just the compression aspect of water and just moving things through. And like, that's one of the, my go-to things when I travel is like getting in that shakeout swim a lot. And so maybe take a look at your training. And if you have been really like cutting back on swimming, cause I know it's like way more of a pain for all of us to be getting to pools these days. Um, maybe that's something you can try and shift focus a little bit on and getting back in the water might really help kind of move things around more maybe than the walking and things like that. So um, hopefully we gave you a few ideas to try on that. Good luck to Mel. And Alyssa, we do have a interview this week. This is a fun one for, for especially for me, but we're talking to Erica Ackerland and Erica is originally from Montana and we talked to her right after a breakthrough 14th place finish at the ITU World Triathlon Series race in Hamburg, Germany. And Erica raced, she, she grew up in Montana and she raced on actually the club team at the University of Montana and she won the 2016 Collegiate National Championship, which included club teams and NCAA teams at the time. So she talks to us about her start in the sport, coming up through this collegiate club scene and then getting into the ITU racing. And she's still very young, has a bright future ahead of her. But we we loved hearing about her adventures in Europe, especially how she's navigating that during a pandemic and her great recent results. So we'll have that conversation with Erica right after the break. Okay, Alyssa, it's quiz time. Please tell me which noon hydration product I should be drinking during the following scenarios. First up, a two-hour hard bike workout. Ooh, I'd go with noon endurance because you need some carbs for that. All right, second question, an easy shakeout swim. Probably some noon sport, keep it light. What about working from home? Noon sport yet again. Final question, a three-day, 16-hour, fastest known time attempt on the 46 high peaks of the Adirondacks. I'd definitely say noon instant for sure. All the electrolytes, please. Ding, ding, ding. You got them all right, Alyssa. And I think it's obvious there's a noon hydration product for every time in life. Iron Women podcast listeners can try them all and get 30% off using the code livefeisty at noonlife.com. Again, that's Live Feisty, all one word with a capital L and a capital F. Use that code for 30% off any purchase at NoonLife.com. Haley, do you know what I'm doing when I'm feeling kind of down? What do you do, Alyssa? I go to Gooder.com forward slash Feisty, the Live Feisty curated collection on the Gooder Sunglasses website, and I read the fun names of all the sunglasses. Ooh, do you have a current favorite? I think today I'm going with Kitty Hawker's Ray Blockers. Oh, nice pick from the new Mach G line. Going for a run in a pair of teal aviators would make me so happy right now. Happiness really might be a pair of no slip, no bounce, polarized sunglasses in fun colors with a fun name. Happiness is also sunglasses that start at just $25 a pair. So all of our listeners should go to gooder.com forward slash feisty to see our favorites and find their own. 
That's G-O-O-D-R.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. Be sure to check out the virtual try-on feature while you're there. And of course, look good, run gooder. Haley, it only took a global pandemic for me to realize how much I truly appreciated swimming and to make open water swimming something I am actually eager to do. Then you'll be super excited for our new 2020 partnership with Orca Wetsuits. Alyssa, you and our listeners can get 15% off at orca.com with the code IRONWOMEN15. This is meant to be. My first wetsuit I raced in was an Orca Wetsuit, actually, so I already know I like them. I've been trying out their Swim Run Wetsuit. Soon I'll have no excuse not to race one of those events. Thanks to Orca for getting us set up to tackle all the open water swim action. Don't forget, that's code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. Hi, Erica. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, thank you. So first off, we want to offer a huge congratulations on your recent 14th place, 14th place finish at the ITU World Triathlon Series World Championship race in Hamburg, Germany a few weeks ago. This was a huge result for you. So has it all sunk in yet? Yeah, it was pretty exciting. I was just like, that whole night, I was just like, whoa, I did not expect this to happen. Um, so it's pretty fun. I ended up getting to stay and do a few more races. And uh, so far, they keep going pretty well. So I guess I had a pretty good training block this year. And so Erica, we we don't want to get too far into the interview without giving a bit of a background because we want our listeners to know that you are an American athlete, but you're living and training in Canada. So international travel is pretty restricted these days. Um, I don't think like the border really between like us and Canada is even open yet. If right. So, um, I guess you, you didn't need to go through the U S to get to Germany, obviously. So like, how was the travel to Germany first off? So I actually did have to go through the U S. Yeah. So I was in Canada from like January 1st and I just never left. Uh, so that's how I was able to like kind of stay. And then um, before we went to Hamburg, uh, we had to do like a bunch of different COVID tests. So I actually came back to the U S so I could do the COVID test the same way that the rest of our team was. Um, and it was kind of all done in a group. And then I flew out from the U S and was it needed one within like X of days of the race or is it like yeah. you have a certain amount of like hot or of negative ones, like consecutively, like, did you have to do multiple tests? Well, so we had to do one within a certain number of hours before you arrived in Germany. Um, so it had to be like pretty close before you got, got on the plane. And then we had to have another one once we were in Germany. And then um, I've been to a few other countries since. So we've had to do new tests before we went to each country. So you've been able to test, but no quarantine necessarily. You're still able to like get out of the hotel and that kind of thing. Yeah, luckily we got exempt from the quarantine rules with doing the COVID test because that was the initial idea was that like if we were going to come to these races, we were going to have to spend two weeks sitting in a hotel room Um, and people were like, I don't know if we're going to go if that's the case. Uh, So luckily we were able to bypass that rule. And what kind of COVID precautions were actually in place at the race? I think there were no spectators. Is that correct? Yeah, for Hamburg. Um, it was kind of crazy. The whole course was walled off with like giant tarps. So they made it a pretty tight course. Like the bike, it's a 20 K bike ride. We did six laps where normally you might do like three, maybe four. 
Um, and yeah, the whole thing was in tarps. Each country was only allowed to have one coach within the venue that was walled off. Um, so it was really like very quiet while you were racing. Uh, yeah. And then before and after, I mean, I'm thinking like I've seen more spread out start lines and things like that. And afterwards was everything just like, okay, you race, like you're done. You know, I saw even this weekend, like a race, they, they didn't even like spray champagne and have like a proper podium thing. So like, did things change there too? Yeah, they've been doing podiums, but no champagne, I know. Um, but then like pre-race, I'm trying to think. So normally when we come to these races, the, the U.S. athletes like room together, but we've all had separate rooms the whole time. Um, so you can like stay apart easier, masks everywhere when you're together. Um, they haven't had briefings. So the briefings, instead of like everyone coming to in person, you just do it over Skype or Zoom. Um, other than that, though, it doesn't like feel too different. I think our start lines are in like the ITU rules. It has to be a certain distance for each person. And I don't believe that they changed that. Um, actually, they added more people to the races since there's only a few events. Um, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I'm still like confused about how the champagne spray would spread it, but I guess they have if they have people drinking it and things like that. <laughs> they just don't want to encourage like any liquids going from one person to another, like respiratory droplets or yeah. champagne. Like let's just like keep it all separate. Um, yeah, Erica, I think. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I think you weren't allowed to like um, give a hug at the end of the race or anything when you cross the finish line, but. I'm pretty sure I saw a few people doing that anyway. So they weren't too strict. Like that's like a habit probably, especially in ITU racing. I feel like when everyone's like kind of coming in one after another, right. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that would be a tough habit to kind of separate your mind from. I mean, certain things would be kind of nice. Like the whole having your own room, (laughs) like those things you're like, ah, this isn't, I mean, I I mean, sometimes having a roommate's fun, but like if you're have a roommate that like likes to sleep with the TV on, I would be like, woohoo own room but um but as far as like actual racing I think this was your second world triathlon series race uh or WTS elite race so WTS being the highest level of IT racing your first WTS race happened a year ago in Leeds where you were lapped out on the bike and weren't able to finish and so this time you were riding with two-time ITU world champion Flora Duffy you're running with French superstar Cassandra Beaugrand do you credit your improvement to more race experience, this, this, you know, incredible training block that you just alluded to, or maybe you just thrive in spectator free pandemic racing? Like you like the quiet? Uh, hopefully that's not the case because it'll probably go back <laughs> to normal, but, um, I think it's kind of a little bit of everything. Like last year, I definitely didn't have the best year all around. Um, and I, got sick constantly like the entire year I kept getting sick and at first I just thought it was like uh more travel because I hadn't really done that many races before last year that were international so I was like oh this is just what happens right um so it took a while and I finally found out I was having some allergy issues um so since I've been able to like keep that under control but yeah so I didn't like just across the board last year didn't quite have as much training in me and then um I don't know. It was my first WTS race. And I think I just wasn't quite ready for how intense it might be in the swim. Um, like I was thinking about it afterwards and I'm like, yeah, there's people 
in that water trying to like become world champion. So of course they're going to be super aggressive. Um, and I think maybe I just wasn't quite ready for it enough and, uh, didn't have any experience. So yeah, I, I mean, I think if I was able to do that race the next day, it probably wouldn't have gone that way. Like, I don't think it was just a fitness thing, but I was pretty worried coming into Hamburg. I was like, like my coach kept saying, Erica, everyone hasn't raced this year. Like you're not the only one, but I was like, well, they've all done five, 10, who knows how many WTS races before. And I still haven't finished one. So that was nerve wracking for me. Um, but yeah, I was in the swim and like pretty early on, I remember I kind of looked back to make sure I wasn't at the back and I was like, Oh, I might be too close. Like just tried to go as hard as I could and like pretty well gassed myself when I got to the first swim buoy. I was like, this is going to be a long finish for the race, but. How did the rest of it play out for you? Obviously it, you didn't blow up. I mean, did it, was it just things just clicked for you this time? Yeah. Um, I think like a little bit of it is kind of chance. So in the last swim, like I, when I was going around the first buoy in Leeds, I was just getting clobbered by so many people. Um, and really stopping me up and like it kind of just is how people will like funnel into um draft lines in the water and in Hamburg this year I was able to kind of like my position people went either right or left from me and I had a bit of more clear water getting out to that first buoy so that tends to help um just not getting beat up with people and uh yeah, sorry. I think I'm kind of forgetting what the end of your question was there. Well, and I like even the bike and the run, like when you, you talk about riding next to Flora Duffy and running with Cassandra Bogrand, uh, you know, was that just like, was that, I mean, you seem like you're someone who really respects those, those women and looks up to them, but then you actually are racing with them this time. And you're actually like, you know, that's, that's impressive. That's like, has to make you feel pretty good and give you some confidence. Yeah. It's fun. Cause I've watched them on, um, you know, triathlon live for years doing these races and always been like, Oh, I feel like someday I could race at that level. And with those girls, um, but you never really know until you finally get a chance to be up there and do it. Um, so yeah, it was exciting. Uh, the whole time I was just like, Oh my gosh, like, I hope the TV is on here. My parents can <laughs> see me up here. Um, and then the, the run, I just remember like we started running and my coach had like begged me so many times before the race to not go out too hard. He's like, you're running pretty fast. I could see you just like sprinting from the get go and blowing yourself up. But I was like, well, a chance to try and run with Cassandra. That seems pretty cool. I think I'm going to go for it. Um, turns out, I guess she's been injured. So I think, uh, the pace wasn't too hot for me. Um, was able to finish it off. So I yeah. love that. Like, I think, yeah, I would, that's reason enough, I think, to stay with someone like Flora Duffy or whatever to have like the coverage and be like, <laughs> hi, mom. Like, it's just like, yeah, <laughs> I feel like sometimes in, you know, those opportunities are rare for me in Ironman, but sometimes I'm like out and back. So I see the, <laughs> see the cameras coming. Um, Erica, after Hamburg, you wasted no time getting on another start line. And a week later, you raced the ITU World Cup at Karlovy Vary and Czech Republic. So you finished 13th there, just about 30 seconds behind U.S. Olympian Katie Zafaris, who was 11th. This was a full Olympic distance race versus the sprint distance, which you had done in Hamburg. So do you prefer the longer distance? Mm, I think I do. I think I tend to do a little bit better in the longer distance. Uh, it definitely, I feel like it makes life a little bit harder because they definitely take a lot more out of you. Um, and it's a little less 
the sprint, you know, you just kind of like get in there, you race hard, it's exciting, and then it's over. Whereas the Olympic, like you're still going and still going and still going. But it seems like I tend to do better at them, but I think I need to race a little more to figure it out, really. And Erica, you finished as the third American in Hamburg and the second in the Czech Republic. So we talked to Summer Rappaport earlier this year. And as far as I know, she's still the only American triathlete qualified for the Tokyo 2021 Olympic Games. Do you know how USAT plans to select the rest of the team? Yeah, so so far they've said that as long as um, Yokohama WTS happens next year, that will still be the second automatic selection race. So you would have to be the first American to finish in the top three. And if no one finishes in the top three, you'd have to be the first one to finish in the top eight to get an automatic um, slot. And then after that, there will be one discretionary slot. Or if that race doesn't happen, there might be two discretionary slots. So all these races, uh, like, count towards races they can look at for discretionary slots. Do you think you have a shot or are you looking more at 2024 or both? No, I mean, realistically, no, (laughs) there's, we have a really strong team. And, um, I think some of them maybe who have been racing really hard might've taken a little more downtime. Um, and I mean, yeah, I did well, but they'll all be back racing well too. So it's tough to get in there. You never know. So we'll just keep following along. But um, we believe that you are now on the Italian island of Mediterranean training for like testing my pronunciation skills. But Arzakina World Cup race scheduled for October 10th. So how is life and training in Italy? Uh, going pretty well. Um had a, we had a flooded kitchen just about an hour ago trying to run the dishwasher um, and just like a few random things like that, trying to figure out a new place. Um, but yeah, overall, it's been pretty good. I came here for a race last year and we're actually staying like really close to where that race had been. Um, and I absolutely loved it last year. Like the towns are super cute, um, good pizza and so we're like, we're talking with one of the coaches from the Italian Federation. And he was like, yeah, if you go there, there's actually some really cool training spots. So he kind of pointed them out to us. And yeah, we found some good roads for running and riding, which has been fun. Um, but it was kind of a last minute thing. I actually thought I was going to be flying home after Carlo Viveri. So I got over to Europe and about a week later, I was like, decided I was going to stay for a few more weeks. And now they're potentially going to be more races. So still talking with people if I'm going to extend even further. And did you, did you decide to like stay with a group to train with or like, yeah, were you just like, Oh, this is the weather's better than it was in Canada. So I'm staying here for a bit. Like, what was that the decision like? Yeah. Um, so I had like wanted to come if I could find people to stay with and I didn't really know anyone planning to stay at the point when I left the U S. Um, but now I'm here with a few of, uh, Paulo Sousa's training app actually in town so and so most of the other American ITU pros we've talked to either swam or ran in college and they found triathlon after college but you actually competed for the University of Montana triathlon club team go Grizzlies and you won the 2016 collegiate national championship, which at the time included both club and NCAA varsity athletes. So can you tell us about this, this process of finding triathlon while you were in college? 
Yeah, it was fun. I'm surprised you'll say go Grizzlies since you love them. I know, I know. I shouldn't. I'm in Bozeman, so I should be saying go Bobcats. And yeah, I know. I I have to throw it out there. The Montana connection, you know, I'll give it to you. But anyway, tell me about it. Yeah. Um, So I actually did two different, uh, like, championship races. There's the club championships that I um, did in the spring of 2016. And that's where all the club teams come together. And then in the fall of 2016... I think I did the varsity race, which is like the new NCAA schools. Um, but yeah, so it was pretty cool. I had actually wanted to swim in college and then I ended up going to university of Montana for scholarships. Um, and I was like having a hard time with running at that point. Cause I was just always getting injured in high school. And my mom had known someone that was on the triathlon club there. And she was like, you should really find the triathlon club. Like, I think it would be fun for you. So I was like, kind of went to college, like looking for it. Um, and it was a pretty small group. So I was like going around when there was like club tables and stuff. And I never saw it, never saw it. I was like, where is this triathlon club thing? And so I finally found them um, and got started with, it was a small group, but it was fun. Um, and yeah, like the, the club race, the club nationals is actually a quite strong race. I, I think they have a, uh, draft legal race and an Olympic distance race. So you can race two days back to back and a big party afterwards. So it's really fun. And so NCAA triathlon, I think it, it became an emerging sport in 2014. So you mentioned this 2016 that you are a club athlete. You have a scholarship, but it's an academic scholarship, not an athletic scholarship. But you're yeah. competing against athletes with athletic scholarships, with funding for their teams. And yet you won. Like, did that give you a lot of confidence or were you, was it unexpected? Did you know, ha, I got this in the bag? What was that like? No, definitely didn't know that I would go there and win it. Um, I had actually gone, I went to that race twice. The first time I got 11th and then the second time I ended up winning it. Um, and yeah, it was, it's kind of like, I think it kind of built as I was in college and I was always like, oh, I wish someone had recruited me to one of these things, but apparently nobody knew about me to recruit me. Um, it would have been pretty fun though. And I think I know like a few girls who have gone down that route now and, uh, they quite enjoy it. So. And give a, Oh, sorry. But would you give a high schooler who's like right now, who thinks they could be good at this, who might've been in your position? Like what would advice would you give them? Would you say, you know, if you aren't getting recruited, reach out, reach out to those college coaches? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, like I'm starting to know a few of the coaches of the newer schools who are still coming on. And like, they're just looking for people to race. Um, cause it is smaller and we don't really have that many high school athletes in the U S that truly know about triathlon and then definitely not about ITU triathlon. So, um, yeah, like they're just trying to find people, uh, who will race. And there's a lot of people that have the skill set and just don't know about it. Um, so and once you were in college, you really committed to elite triathlon while you were there. Um, we think you might have even like studied abroad in Australia and Australia is such a mecca for triathlon. It, you know, it makes us wonder, like, are you there to maximize training and racing time? Like take in some of that culture of somewhere that, you know, does kind of raise triathletes from the youngest of ages. Right. So was it hard to be so committed to a sport at such a high level where, you know, you weren't like a big team, you didn't, you know, like it was a club team and you, I, I feel like for the, you know, varsity level teams, they all kind of travel together and like 
they can make schedule changes and be like, you know, in their little pod. So it's a little bit easier to kind of commit, you know, because you have all those people just in your bubble around you, like also doing that same thing. So did you find it difficult, like to do it on your own without an athletic scholarship and without kind of that bigger team? Yeah. Yeah. It was really difficult to be honest. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into when I got started. Um, and just like, kind of got sucked along with it until suddenly it was a quite a big time commitment. Um, and at that point, like I was still trying to do a lot of academic stuff and I completely overloaded myself. I was pretty grumpy for a while there. Um, until I like kind of realized how much time I was deciding I was going to put into triathlon training and like how I was going to have to balance my school schedule for that to work out better. Um, so yeah, it's a lot. Uh, And then with the study abroad thing, I had always wanted to do a study abroad. And then like I, as I was getting more into triathlon and like starting to have coach and stuff, it never really made sense. Um, I had originally like wanted to go to South America or something. I had done quite a lot of Spanish in high school and the start of college. And I thought that would be cool. But I tried researching it a few times and I was like, I'm never going to be able to figure out how to train um, in one of these like small towns in South America, I didn't think so. At the end, I finally did my final semester in Australia, and it was like, um, yeah, because they do have so much triathlon there. I was like, okay, for sure, I can go there, I can train. And really, when I got there, I was mostly just training. I only had a few classes left to do in school. Um, So they were like, that was kind of my side thing in triathlon was kind of the main deal. Um, And I was able to get hooked up with a swimming program there that was awesome. So I swam with a local team, uh, while, while I was doing that. And it was kind of like my group thing. I feel like that's definitely one of those places you travel to and it's like, okay, what time does swim squad meet? And you can literally like, I've done it before too. It's like, you show up on deck and they're like, okay, hop in. Like, it's fine. Like it's super welcoming oh, yeah. community. I mean, like I was paying for it, but I was paying like nothing compared yeah. to what you pay for in the U S and they were like, yeah, you can come whenever. Like when do you have a race? We'll create sets for you to get ready for that. Um, so it was pretty cool. But I think, I think um, not having had the team atmosphere in college was like, I would have enjoyed that. I would still love to like go be a part of a big team. But at the same time, I, like I said earlier, I had a lot of injuries in high school trying to do run training. So I do think that kind of doing my own thing just for me with a coach, like just riding me training has probably helped me to get to where I am without um, having a lot of setbacks along the way. So I'm sure being in Australia, it's also nice to like send pictures back about like what, what the weather is like there to your friends and family in, in Montana, in Missoula and in Helena, (laughs) even if you're in Australian winter, it's still like, you're like, Oh, it's so cold. It's, you know, 70 degrees Fahrenheit, um, slightly different climate after you, I mean, you did the club or excuse me, club triathlon scene, but you moved directly into full-time professional triathlon as basically your first job out of college. How has that been? It's kind of scary. <laughs> um, yeah, I just kind of went for it. And I mean, I feel like it's working out pretty well, but it's always like, I definitely spend a lot of time being like, oh, do I need to go back to school and do more? Or like, do I need to find a part-time job? Um, yeah, it's it's scary, to be honest, but I don't think you need to go back to school as someone who, <laughs> who 
<laughs> gladly has like not returned back to school. Yeah, it's uh, it does look tempting at times, but no, I think you can persevere through this. Um, but on that note, so like try triathlon and ITU triathlon specifically seems like it can be like a wild roller coaster of a ride. There's like these high highs and then these low lows, and you know even being young and like still at the start of your career, you've had high highs and you've had those low lows and those tough moments, right? So have you learned any ways of like how you're getting through them and how you kind of just like keep your focus maintained to like stay steadier through that? Um, I'm probably still kind of figuring that out. Like I feel, I feel like I've had like good year, less than good year, good year, less than good year. And like some of it's totally out of your control. Like just terrible racing conditions or, um, you know, random sickness at the wrong time before a race, stuff like that. Or somebody crashes in front of you on the bike and that's the end of your race. I've had like all those things happen. Um, but I think the more I talk with people about it, it's just like the more years you've raced and the more times that you've traveled internationally and like figured out how to make that all run smoothly for you, getting to races and different places all over the world, then you can just be able to race more and more frequently. And so, um, you have those bad races and they just won't matter as much because you have three more races coming up. Um, so I think it's just kind of like a building process towards that and trying to build up in training enough so that I like can race that frequently without um, breaking down. So I can just get to the point where you can have a few tough races and, um, it's not the end of your season because you still have a full season of races left. So Erica, you mentioned the travel you've been able to do, and it sounds like this was something that was appealing to you, as you mentioned, wanting to study abroad when you were in college. Do you have a favorite training and racing location that you've been or somewhere that you really want to go? Oh, I want to go everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm staying with Seth Ryder right now, one of the other U.S. athletes, and he's like traveled all over the place. So I'm like taking notes as he tells me all these different places that are cool to train. Um, but yeah, where we are right now was definitely like somewhere I really wanted to come back to. So that's been fun. Um, last year I got to spend a few weeks in, on the border of Switzerland and France, um, like right outside of Geneva. That was pretty cool. Um, and that's really the only like big trips I've done. Uh, it seems like most of the time I kind of just come and go from home to the races since I don't really have like a training base in Europe or anything yet but hopefully as I like keep coming to some of these towns then I'll know them a little better and can come over easier figure it out and Erica we called you a full-time pro but you do also work with the live feisty community which launched earlier this year and so how has the feisty life been treating you so far yeah it's been fun um I like helping out with like all your different podcasts and I've gotten to know a few new people in the triathlon community that are pretty cool. Like that's um, how I mentioned earlier that I was like getting to know a few people that coach in the NCAA and we have some of them in our like feisty team. So that's really neat. And I think it's just fun to like build up this community. Well, we appreciate your hard work. We appreciate getting to cheer for you and at these in races that are happening right now we wish you the best of luck with that flooded kitchen we'll let you get back to that but thank you so much for coming on the show today erica thank you yeah it's been fun um i love listening to this podcast so thank you 2020 what a year but Haley, it hasn't been all bad 
Okay, Alyssa, tell me what's good about 2020. Well, Iron Women partnered with Form Swim Goggles. The pandemic has made pool time really tough, but that hasn't stopped me from seeing my swim splits, pace, and heart rate in real time thanks to the display in the eye cup of my Form Swim Goggles. That's right, and you've spent the past couple of months alternating between a backyard pool, a public pool, and even an open water quarry, right? Yep. The Form Swim goggles now even work in open water. You can track your GPS in a lake, ocean, and even a quarry and see it all in the Form Swim app. Okay, you've convinced me. Thanks to Form, maybe there can still be some swim highlights in 2020. For $199, you get a pair of Form's Smart Swim goggles, adjustable nose bridges to fit any face, and a fancy zipper carrying case. You can check it all out at formswim.com. triathlon is certainly hard on your skin without a doubt. That was Teresa Helsel, dermatologist PA and accomplished triathlete. Earlier this year, Teresa came on the podcast to offer skincare advice specific to triathletes. Teresa's two biggest tips were to avoid sunburn and chafing. And luckily, Iron Women podcast listeners get 15% off all Zelio skincare products, including Sun Barrier SPF 45 zinc-based sunscreen and Betwixt Athletic Skin Lubricant and Chamois Cream. Use the code IRONWOMEN at TeamZelios.com for 15% off and use Zelios products to protect your skin during all your swim, bike, run fun. We recorded this interview before Erica's most recent race, and she did race this past weekend at the Arzakina World Cup race in Italy. Erica finished 12th, another really fantastic finish for her. So she's had this little hot streak, this pandemic hot streak, which is not many of us can say that. So congratulations to Erica. Thank you again for being our guest on the show. And we look forward to following you in the upcoming years because I think you are a bright up and coming star for Team USA. Very exciting. Totally. Super fun to talk to you, Erica. Thanks for coming on. And Haley, I have got to run. You know, these pool times are just running my life these days. So I'm going to jet to my pool time and I will be for certain thinking of Maria and the Dynamo community today while I, while I'm swimming. Giddy up. That's what Maria would say. Have a great swim, Melissa. And I will talk to you next week. Bye Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Zelio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Orca Sportswear, Gooder Sunglasses, as well as our Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find all website links and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com. Mm-hmm.